I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Hello, listeners. Our guest today on Thriving Matters podcast is none other than a brand new author and Gloria Tabby is so tickled that her new book is published and is waiting for you to investigate and be curious about it. Now, Gloria, for all of you, is Managing Director of Everyday Inclusion. Gloria is a Black African-Australian woman with 30 years of experience in project management, employment, recruitment, professional mentorship, customer service, sales. But the depth of her talent and skills is beyond comprehension. Gloria, it is so nice to have you here today. How are you? I'm really well, Kerry. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, and what listeners, what you can't see are a really nice string of pearls around Gloria's neck. And you know what? When I first, uh, when we first jumped on to record our podcast today, I kept thinking. Oh, little pearls of wisdom, little pearls of wisdom. And I remember I often wear my pearls as well. And uh, it is a memory of my dad, who's now deceased 10 years ago. But the pearls of wisdom, I am sure, are going to be what makes this conversation sensational today. So, (laughs) uh, look, without further further ado, Gloria, um, I always ask our guests, um, because we're talking about all things thriving and thriving isn't easy it's that day-to-day how do I count five four three two one and jump out of bed to start the day when it could be very seductive to stay in bed and hide under the sheets depending on how we're feeling or what projects we've got on or what conversations we have to have that might be a bit difficult but for you everyday thriving how do you start your day off give us an idea oh wow well just to your listeners so that they know where I'm speaking to you from so I'm based in Sydney on the land of the Darak Nations So I'll pay my respects to their elders past and present because, you know, sovereignty is never seated. And um, I thank them for their custodianship of Australia. So um, I'm a mother of four. I've got four beautiful children. So that's always a reason to get up. (laughs) Um, Starting from 30 to 16 years old. So they keep me busy and a, a beautiful husband. Um, and so that that is my joy, really. That comes before anything else that I do. And I guess the most exciting recently is being able to publish my first book. And so that that's quite exciting. It well, it it is. Um and really, the reason we do get out of bed is for um, the family, 
the friendships and uh, the purpose that we feel. So let's just go straight to your new book. Um, tell us a little bit about your book that's brand new. It must be an amazing um, gift to have and a, and a feeling really to have that book in your hot little hands after you've worked on it, you've developed it um, and gone through the whole process. So tell us what it is all about. Hmm. Look, if someone has asked me even a year or two ago that I'll be an author, um, I would have said, you'd be kidding me. So it's come about from years of frustration, actually, this, this book <laughs> I've got in my little hand, being Black and being a woman, you know, double whamming in terms of workplace, bullying and harassment. And I experienced that for quite some time. And so it's out of that frustration and through my research into social inequities and racism and anti-racism, um, that's how the book has come about, putting my experiences together and looking at ways to support leaders and managers um, some of the blind spots that they have when it comes to creating equity and inclusion teams mm. and not realizing that that actually affects their bottom line. Mm. And so that's what this book is about. It's a book for, for managers who cares about inclusions. And there's 10 blind spots that I have picked up through my own experiences, like I said, and my research about, you know, blind spots that leaders need to know about inclusion, being aware of the, I guess, the issues that marginalized people like myself face in their workplaces and, and opening up some communication channels and so forth, representation, things like that and struggle for progression and, and promotion yeah. in businesses. So I think it is going to be a really great how-to kind of book for, for managers, yeah. Oh, well, I'm so pleased you've done the research and you've used your own experience um, for it as well. Um, listeners, the name of the book, the title of the book, um, Inclusive Teams and Workplaces, hyphen, everyone wins. And as Gloria said, it's for managers who care about team inclusion and performance. And um, you're a global specialist in the workplace for equity and inclusion. And if there is ever a time, Gloria, than there has been over the last 18 months or so, um, we, I mean, by now, we, it should be a given that we are equitable and inclusive in the way we work and live with people, the way we treat people. But it seems to me that um, human nature under stress often brings out the worst behaviours. And um, I can hear from what you've just said a little bit earlier that you've experienced um, this inequity, this and bullying and injustice um, yourself all the way through your career hmm. and uh, look those um, actions sometimes are not always intentional it is the way that society is built 
So the inequities is actually built into society. Yeah. So people become inequitable just going about doing their job. So I'll give you an example of this is police brutality to First Nation youth, for example, and they end up in, in custody, is that within their processes, Black people are profiled as being proponent to crime. And so these kids get over surveillance mm. and targeted and scrutinized. So you see how just by going about doing their business, that's inequitably, that, that's how they function. And so until someone actually come in and help them see that by doing that, you're profiling these kids. And this is how we go about um, communicating and engaging with the community. Then we will continue to perpetuate harm in our communities. And so this is, I guess, my life goal, having been through it myself as a Black woman, it gives me joy to be able to go to organizations and help them see within their system. So it's not a personal attack. Mm -hmm. It's not about, you know, few bad apples. It's, it's we are talking about systems. Yes. So it removes that ownership of people not wanting to be viewed as, you know, am I unethical, am I racist? It's not about individual problems. I mean, that's also has its own um, thing to deal with. But the things that I'm interested in is looking at processes and systems, systems. That, that create these injustices for people. Hmm. I, I'm really glad you, you, um, you spoke to that because the work that we all do is, um, is human-based. It's we we are human, and people for me, people matter. People, people, people matter. Um, and how we um, are either respectful or um, inclusive uh, depends on our own life experience, depends on our values and beliefs, and the assumptions that we make. And there's an awful lot of assumptions that we do make and we believe them to be true. <laughs> so <laughs> our, our systems, and because our systems are made up of people as well and process, um, we, we need to be able to scrutinise um, or audit even the, the types of processes we've got as to whether there, are, there is unconscious bias in them or if there is a, is a, a definite bias that, that is showing up as well. So all um, super interesting, particularly for um, a globe, a world where we're, we've now placed economic um, sanctions and, and behavioural um, regulations to help with a health issue. Um, and so that's, that's another thing that's impacting. We, we're hearing stories of of different organisations and how equitable or how inclusive they're being, even with their their, their staff at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's 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 always up front. I had um, another guest on um, a little while ago on, on a 
another podcast, Lisa Cox, who is is um, an advocate for disability. She has a disability through a car oh, accidents. Yes, I've heard of her. Lisa, she's she's part of the She's the Boss group that you and I have connected through. So I'd like to give Jules Brooks um, a, um, a a plug as well here. Um, so let's let's talk about. You know, in all this research, were there times when you didn't feel as though um, you were making any inroads, or did you always feel that you you stayed on purpose, that you were you were um, able to basically do what you had to do to put your book together, get your message out and about? Hmm. Oh, is you come across obstacles, um, Kerry, <laughs> yeah. every day. Um, but I guess you pushed through and having really good support family network that helps. And I think um, joining places like, you know, She's the Boss and meeting you guys and Jules and family, I guess it all helps to mm. keep you going. Mm. Um I guess the world also had that crash course on inequities when the killing, the brutal killing of George Floyd in US. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of helped me to be able to have these conversations. Whereas before that, it was kind of the no-go sort of area. Yeah. And people feel really uncomfortable talking about it. And I think we don't need traumatic, you know, episode like, you know, brutally someone being murdered on the street for us to be able to have these conversations. And so I try to show people that these inequities are system problems rather than you and I perpetuating that through our volition. Mm. And so it helps people to step back and look at the structures and the systems within your own organization and really dissect mm. that it removes that ownership onto let's help do business better. Mm. Um, because in actual fact, one of the outcomes of my research is that irrespective of what you and I do, whether we are nice people or not nice people, these systems that perpetuate inequities will continue. So you see the difference how it's really not about what you and I do. And yes, being kind and nice goes a long way, but people can be nice to me but if the system stops me getting a job because I'm a black woman and I have got an accent, you can be nice to me. I will still won't get the job. And I will still struggle mm -hmm. in my standard of living because I won't be able to earn the right amount of money. I won't be able to live in the home I'm supposed to. I'll end up in a crowded home, which most of our indigenous people are. Mm -hmm. And so you see how niceness and kindness is not really what's going to solve the problem. What solves the problem is looking at systems, how we recruit, 
how we restructure to recruit people yeah. or how we exclude some people even once they've got the job. And so see how it changes the conversation from a personal issue of am I being biased to what are our processes here? Yeah. Would you say, uh, you know, because of your research, you came across some uh, what you would look at as um, good examples of inclusion that are already in, in practice in place around the work. Would there be anything you'd like to share with us today about one of the, you know, one of those that um, is a great example of, of the system um, and how it's working? Um, I would like to, I, I wouldn't want to be promoting other organisations on your show, but there are free, few organisations in Australia who are doing the work and it's quite um, uplifting to see that their whole business is based on that. But I'll give you an example from US because this is a bit far away and I'm not talking about a local organisation, but um, ben and Jerry is, uh, you know who they are? Yeah. yeah. Ice Creamery yeah. organization. And their whole method is built on building an equitable organization. Oh. You know, right from the start. And what people don't understand is when you do that, it doesn't mean that you are not profitable. They are one of the most profitable organizations in the world. And they're doing the right thing from how, you know, the cows are fed and so forth to the people that they employ. And so it's doable and they are well known around the world and it's good for their business because people think nice thoughts about them. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, doing the right thing, the process I'm talking here, not individuals, is a really important thing. And everyone can do it a lot. There's a whole lot of organizations doing it. And in Australia, um, I'm also in my book, I talk about those organizations, actually, in Australia. And, and it's wonderful because they're doing the hard work and it's paying off. Well, great example. And, and listeners, if you're curious, I'd say just get hold of Inclusive Teams and Workplaces, Everybody Wins by Gloria Tabby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it's um I think at the moment it's it's a privilege to be living in a time where we really have got the opportunity to test out and change things, to flip what I like to call the flip, just flip how we're doing things. And, um, you know, you, when, when you talk to children, uh, when they go to school and you talk to children about, oh, who did they play with today? Um, you know, what have they, you know, have they got anybody that they, they've gotten to know at school? And my experience has been that children don't usually describe their friends or whoever they've played with or in their class by colour of their skin, style of their, their beautiful eyes, um, whether they've got um, a big birthmark on their face or a skin condition. or um, They usually describe them by um, 
how 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 they've interacted together, how they've played together, what they've built together, what they've said about their family, all that sort of stuff. That you know what they really enjoy, blah blah blah. You don't. And I've heard parents say, "I was so surprised. They didn't tell me they they were an Asian background or an African background or Indigenous or da 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 da." And I just go, "That's from our young." our young minds, our young humans, our, our, you know, our leaders of tomorrow. And so it, it always interests me as, as those kids grow, as they develop into, you know, older, older teenagers all the way through, that where changes. the changes, where the changes that come, what influences the changes. Yeah. So do you I have any, any insights into, into that? How that happens, I've actually got a classic example for you when you started saying this. Um, so my family, my husband is quite Australian Caucasian person. And so my children, I remember when they were born and we will sit there trying to see whether they can see obviously the differences between their parents. <laughs> And we will sit there, my husband and I will sit there and we will ask each one of them and they will describe the dress we're wearing, the top, the colour. They will talk about everything else except the colour of our skin. And I remember at the age of four, we gave up asking them that because it's almost like we were trying to put something into their minds. Yes. And these were their mum and dad, and all they could see was to describe mummy's got a curly hair, this <laughs> mummy's wearing a white top, daddy's wearing red t-shirt, but never this uh, colour, this colour for our skins. Yeah. And so I think that it changes, uh, and we teach them, we the adults are the cooper here we teaches them those differences and 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 then we fill their minds i guess as as they get older and they, then they also grow up seeing the structures of society seeing that you know first nation peoples are not managers where i work they they just yeah. they're not the type of people i report to yeah. i mean they see these things we don't have to even tell them and so then we form, the, we, 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 we have our thoughts about things and our attitudes and biases, like you mentioned before, mm. are formed as we're getting older. But no, we are not born to see differences. We are all human. <laughs> so one of the things I say is that in the workplace, we don't all have to get on. You know, there, there are some people that after work I wouldn't want to hang out with <laughs> outside of work. Yeah. But when I'm at work, I make my, and, and working with people is one of my values. So I have made a conscious decision to work with everyone in my team in the most respectful, dignifying way because we are all human. That's just me. Yeah. But this, this is the thing. Not every one of us think that's this way. That's right. And so to leave inclusion and team performance on individuals to do the wrong thing as a business 
irrespective whether you are small, medium or large organization, it's not something that you can do and leave that in the hands of your staff. So what I encourage organizations to do instead is that if you want to cultivate inclusion, then you need to make inclusion your strategy, your business strategy. So then whoever joins your business knows that that is an important thing to you as a business. And then they then have to be trained to accept what you as a business, what your values are. Yeah. Does that make sense? So then that becomes something that you thrive to be yeah. rather than leaving on individuals to be nice and kind because some people might want to be kind one day and not the next. Um, We're but human. <laughs> but if it's your policy and your strategy, how you go about business, yeah. then that becomes your DNA and people will behave that way. Yeah. And so that's, that, that's the challenge I, I, I give to organisations. Well, what a great what a great challenge because there'll be a whole lot of stretching and a whole lot of uncomfortableness going on as well, but a whole lot of um, uh, self awareness because there's nothing like being um, put into a situation where you are really tested about your perhaps the mask that you put on um, or the, or the way that you you know do you actually behave the way you speak and utter or share or share your ideas mm, mm. I, I was thinking um you mentioned earlier that you 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 know through experience you um you have have grown and now developed researched for, for your book are there some things you learned um very early on um about how you were treated so that you could still remain as dignified as as possible, mm. but also be uh, able to have a voice mm. in what was happening to you. Um, yeah, it, that's a, a really tough question, and I will do my best to share some of them because some of what I've been through were quite um, traumatic. Yeah, and and quite awful, and don't wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy yeah. so you know it was years of experiencing racism and sexism I mean we know sexism is a problem in Australia because it's in even in our parliament um, so you combine that with racism <laughs> then you have a double warming in the workplace and being an educated people person all my work has been in professional environments yeah. and so you know it was usually I'm the only black person there <laughs> most of the time yeah. um hopefully things are changing um but you know it, that that was the case I was the only black person but not just that only black woman in those as well. places as well, as well. Yes. So I have, it was years of racism, sexism, bullying, harassment, discrimination. I got tired and traumatized, heartbroken and felt that there was nowhere to turn really. And just having 
the way I was brought up by my parents, serving the community was a big part of my life. So I um, volunteered a lot. Um, goodness, uh, reading at children's schools, um, fundraising activity. I remember one year we did a fundraising activity. We were able to get Costa, you know, Costa from Garden Australia yeah. to come to our school. And I'm based here at Blue Mountains in Sydney. Beautiful, uh -huh. really beautiful. So we were teaching the kids how to garden. And Costa came from Garden Australia to be part of the festival. We raised in just that one event, nearly 20,000. So oh. you can just visualize for a primary school, putting up an event like that and raising that kind of money at one event. But those are the things I did. I volunteered and served at the PNC executive yeah. for, for many years. And then um, 2019, I was voted as the PNC president for the local high school. Now I'm sharing this with you just to, for your listeners to get um, understanding what I'm about to share next. And so being a, a PNC president at this school, there's only been four PNC presidents for that school. One of them is now a federal member. Uh -huh. The other one is a state member from uh -huh. the local area. There right. was another lady and me. So there's only been four. So it kind of show you the caliber of the people that you choose for this role. And this school has been around a long time. There's only been four PNC presidents. Okay. I'm stepping down at the end of the year. But, and I am still the president. But when, and this was all voluntary work, yeah. I make decisions, I have a team. But when I move into workplaces, the way I was treated was quite different. I was scrutinized. I was excluded, I was sabotaged, I was treated like I was stupid because I was black-skinned woman, and it didn't make sense to me. I thought in all my community work, I've risen to, you know, yeah. leadership role, I've had no problems, but in professional work environment, I was treated differently. And that shocked me, and that gone on for years. It never made sense to me. And there were times where I would think, oh, maybe I'm new. So once um, got, they've gotten used to me, <laughs> it will be all right. Yeah. That never happened. It just continued. It so it's, it's really that behaviour and that attitude was ingrained. It was, about black people. It was like the DNA. Yes. Yeah. About black people. They, we are not respected in the workplace. So if you show up, and for me, I'm a runner, so I'm very competitive and I'm strong and, you know, and I work hard. And even that is either viewed as a threat yes. that she, she's, <laughs> she works too much. And if you don't work, oh, then they're lazy. So there, there was nothing I could do right. 
Yeah. You could see how I started my own business. It's like yeah. I might as well put all my energy into my business. <laughs> you might, you might as well. But what a great thank you for sharing that because that sense of community is where you weren't judged. You you or, or if you were judged, you were judged for all the things that you believed are intrinsic to why you show up every day. That you know, so um, but when in the workplace, it it's highly possible it was a threat. I mean, we're we're built to fight or flight, aren't we? Um, or freeze. Um, and if we get feel pressured about something, we become very narrow in the way we think, in the way then our behaviors reflect that. So um, heavens above, it's in this day and age, you would think in Australia that that would not be going on, but we do know it does does go on. But for our young our young leaders of the future, it is such a critical time that we just bulldoze those barriers down. And the pro, I think that's why your your uh, systems, the processes, and the big systems are so important. Um, so well done, you. Well done, you. And uh, I, I'm hoping that some of our listeners will contact you um, and uh, you know have have a bit more of a chat, make some contact with you. And you've got plenty of ways that we can we can contact you through LinkedIn, of course, um, uh, through your uh voice everyday racism.com which is one of your websites mm -hmm. but even better still through your book inclusive teams and workplaces yes. <laughs> that's just out yes gloria if, if if i said to you we've got a little bit of time if you had a message for anyone who's in management and employment recruitment um, who are making the decisions, the decision makers? If you had a little bit of advice, what would you what would you offer them? Mm. Well, what I would say is, please don't give up on people that may not look like you, who may be distinctively different. They may have skills you haven't thought of. Because some of us, we've come from really difficult countries where some of them are war-torn countries. And so the ability to um, be adaptable, be creative, responsive, and take risk is actually built into us to be able to survive. And guess what? All of those elements I've just said is what businesses need to stay competitive. And so if we are not engaging that demographics in our workplaces, we're actually losing out. We won't stay competitive because of globalization. The world is changing. People that used to be your managers when you were young, are going to be quite different from for your kids. And so learning to be adaptable and work with those group of dynamics in your workplace is actually for your own advantage. Yeah. So that your business do not get squashed by the global forces and also the speed of technology okay. and how things 
can get around. Um, if you pretend to be inclusive organization and you do the talking and not the walking, people can take their grievances onto social media. So you can build your business for many, many years, but within about 10 seconds, it will all be ruined because someone will post something about you. Yeah. So learning to really be inclusive and starting using the language of calling people in rather than excluding people is going to help your business a lot. And that's what I'll be asking you to do. Enlarge your business by listening. I love that. Calling and people in. Calling people in and get to know people. Yeah. Who you already have in, in your workplaces. And can I also say that is that you might decide that, well, I'm not going to employ one of those people. And so then I don't have to learn all those things. Can I say to you is that that is not possible if you want to grow your business because all your clients and your customers are going to be people from all over the world. And so learning these skills is actually is really important for your survival. Oh, it's and we've got examples. We've got managers of huge teams all around the world uh, where the managers may live here in Australia. They're managing teams in every country. Um, so there's not just the, the personality or the behaviours that we're looking at. We're looking at the cultural influences of those. There's a whole lot of things that we need to do. And uh, I would say that there's no room for anyone to not be included in, in any workplace these days. Um, and, and things have happened in the past. Businesses who put dig their heels in and didn't want to go with the time um, fuji firms are one of them and when digital cameras were coming yeah you know and um video rental rental video shops yeah, yeah. they're no longer there and so now we are talking about diversity and inclusion is here to stay yeah and businesses that dig their heels in and don't learn the skills will be left behind. And it's faster and faster. Um, and each, I, mean, I, I said to someone just recently, I thought that this year was the fastest year I think I've ever spent. And I went, but this is really strange. Mm. I, I haven't been out and about, haven't been um, do, doing as much as I want, but I've been working um, in a different way so it's, it's super super interesting Gloria we could talk for ages I am positive and um, I just can't wait to get my little hands on your book so thank you for for sharing that with us today um, I know that you know you're um, you know tailoring all that you do for safe productive and sustainability um, is the future that you're looking at but a sustainable future for humanity that is equitable and inclusive um, and celebrates diversity. Oh, for crying out loud, why would we not celebrate our diversity? I, um, I like you, have four children, and um, I named them. I gave them a funny name one year. I call them the licorice all sorts, and it's taken off. 
And I deliberately did it because I went, how can you have your children who can be so different, grown up in the same, same family, so different? So I just celebrate the difference. I think, wow, mm. we, we did a good job. They all have a different way of looking at the world, a different way of contributing their values around people and being able to contribute. They're strong. They're, they're similar may look a little bit different so you know they're very colorful they bob up and down you know so the licorice all sorts just like the the world for me the world huge packet of licorice all sorts and thank heavens because there's just magnificent beauty and uniqueness in the licorice all sorts so <laughs> oh, i love that <laughs> yeah it's 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 cool I uh, at a recent at a birthday a little while ago one of my boys said he said now mum on behalf of all the licorice all sorts <laughs> we would like to say <laughs> and I just went wow that's you know and that's why that gives me the greatest joy in being able to um, pay forward a little bit so listeners if you've enjoyed uh, our conversation today with Gloria Tabby and her new just hot off the presses book about inclusive teams and workplaces and if you are thinking about a career change and whether it's around management and leadership this would be a resource that would be fantastic for you to make sure that every member of your team has a copy number one and use it as a book club just get get your head in there. We all like a book club. We all like to have a laugh. We all like to be able to share great ideas. You never know what's going to come out of those conversations when we connect with purpose. Um, the collective intelligence we have is absolutely astonishing and we don't really want to misuse it. We don't want to miss out on anything. Mm. So if you've enjoyed our conversation today, you can find Gloria, as we said earlier, on her LinkedIn profiles. Um, so it's Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, and surname is Tabby, T-A-B-I, easy to find. Um, and if you've enjoyed uh, what we've, we've done, a little bit of a chat, uh, give us a little bit of love. Everyone who has a podcast likes to get, uh, get some shares. You might like to share this with some people that you already know in business, in management and leadership um, and share it, share it about. So thank you, Gloria. Uh, I know you've got a busy day ahead. Thank you for the pearls of wisdom today. And listeners, just remember, you are unique, you are precious and your thriving matters. So until we talk next time, take care of your good selves. Thanks, Gloria. See you later. Thanks so much. I'm Carrie Benedett and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 